Hello, nerds, and welcome back to Second Cup. I'm your nerdy host, Tim Heller. Today's guest is Danny Romeo. Danny is an international theater maker, director, performer, designer, and educator currently living in London, but originally from the United States, specifically Maryland. This is a really, really fun and special conversation that I hope you enjoy listening to as much as I had fun partaking in it. Before we dive into this incredible interview with Danny, I wanted to take a moment to do a quick privilege check on myself. We touch on some issues that have plagued the theater industry for decades, and I want to be clear that I, as a straight white male, uh, am not trying to victimize myself or appropriate these issues onto myself, more so just keeping this conversation happening uh, and hopefully keeping those people accountable who are at the core of those issues. And if you're a straight white male and you hadn't had your weekly privilege check, I highly encourage you to do so. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Now, top off your beverage, get comfy, and enjoy this episode of Second Cup with Danny Romeo. Hey, what's up, Danny? I am doing well. It has been almost 12 years, probably, since we last saw each other's faces. Yeah, it's been a long time. I so appreciate you reaching out and wanting to be a part of this. I've I've been great. I've been great. Um, It's been a, a wild and bumpy ride, but we have landed here in austin texas and uh we're just (laughs) figuring shit out how about you yeah yeah um similar wild and bumpy ride is a good way to uh explain it um yeah i i lived in new york for a little bit um i went up to massachusetts for a little while uh i mostly worked in dc and baltimore uh which is where i'm originally from and then uh about three years ago i moved to london and now i'm here wow literally right before the pandemic right yeah yeah i moved in um <laughs> i moved in september 2019 so i got a good few months of like more theater than i've seen in the rest of my entire life combined and then uh lockdown hit and then nothing wow that is insane and so for everybody listening um i met danny and i met when i was looking at colleges and I was deciding between uh, two different schools. I met him at University of Michigan um, in the musical theater program there. And uh, Danny, I'd love to just get everybody caught up on on who you are real quick of like a quick sip on who you are, what you do, and and how you got to where you are now because you're doing a lot of really, really cool stuff. Yeah, thank you. Um, Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, like you said, I did my undergrad at the University of Michigan in the musical theater department. At the time, I was very much uh, all in on that musical theater lifestyle. Uh, Oh, yeah. Broadway or nothing. Yeah, yeah. That was very much the mindset of, like, you must perform at the peak or, or, like, there really isn't much else. Um, Yeah, and then uh, immediately after that, uh, after graduating, I moved to New York uh, and very quickly uh, got a very intense callback for the Book of Mormon. and came very, very close to making it. Uh, it was down to me and one other person. And, uh, well, unfortunately the other guy oh, got man. it, but that's the way it goes. That's fine. Um, I, it all I happens took... for a reason and exactly how it should. Yeah. Well, you know, to be completely honest with you, not getting that gig is in the long run, probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, so instead I went on a theater works USA tour. Um, I did a tour of Benicula, the musical, uh, which was oh, yeah. very hard work, but I learned a lot. Uh, that kind of taught me how to be a professional, which was great. Um, and then I spent a long time in free fall. Uh, 
I wasn't getting callbacks. Mm. I was just seeing the top of people's heads in the audition room. Um, I was working at uh, the Toys R Us in Times Square selling toy helicopters. Um, and then somewhere Amazing. around that time, uh, I went to go see Sleep No More, which is an immersive theater show in New York. Uh, it has since become quite well known. Uh, but at the time, I had never seen anything like it. Like, it just absolutely blew my mind. Um, it kind of opened up a world of possibilities to me that I had never thought about before. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, a uh, cheeky plug for Punch Drunk's behalf. Uh, Sleep No More is amazing. Yes. It is a, um, it's an ex immersive experience where you can walk around the set and the actors are in the same space that you are. And it's... Um, it's built in five floors of a warehouse in downtown New York. Um, you can go anywhere you want to. You can steal candy from the candy shop. You can uh, be in the middle of the dance parties in the ballroom. Like you are very much in the world uh, and you run through the whole set throughout the three hour show. It's, it's incredible. Um, so like really changed seeing... the game for what, what theater could be. Right. Yeah. Well, at, at least in the U S um, in England, uh, People have been making immersive theater for quite some time, um, but Punch Trunk was kind of the first company to like make it cool, make it popular. Uh, they really like took off on a commercial scale mm -hmm. that that uh, hadn't been seen before. Um, and Sleep No More was kind of the vehicle that really got them there. Um, but yeah, I fell in love with it. I went to work for them for about three years. Uh, me meanwhile, still trying to be an actor and going to auditions and stuff like that. Um, and then I kind of made a really hard decision where the acting lifestyle was not working for me. Um, I kind of <laughs> became the thing that your drama teacher warns you about. I didn't make it. I, I made a decision that I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a professional actor anymore. I'm going to move back to Maryland and find another way to be involved with theater. Uh, so instead, I started taking administrative jobs. I started learning about the business side of theater, um, working mostly in audience facing roles, uh, like house managers and audience services and things like that. Um, learned a lot, uh, and really changed my attitude about what this industry is and what it can be. Um, I had this amazing boss, uh, Robert Montenegro, uh, who was a playwright himself and he had been working at uh, Shakespeare theater company in DC. And he kind of um, changed my mindset about theater being a competition. And instead, he kind of showed me that mm. I was missing the point, that it's not about winning out to get a role. It's about working with everybody involved, not just the people on stage and backstage, but the people in the seats as well, to create a communal experience where we're all having a discussion. And that kind of became the foundation of my career moving forward from I that point. Absolutely love that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a game changer for me. It, it kind of got me out of this funk of like, I feel like I'm losing all the time. And instead it changed my mindset to, I shouldn't be trying to win it all. This should be all of us working together to make something amazing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. uh, after a few years of doing that, I, decided it was time to start like my ultimate goal had been for a while to become an artistic director and open my own theater company someday. Um, and so I decided to go back to grad school because I was starting to do some directing and, um, kind of running up against a wall of 
I have too much experience to be like an unpaid assistant, but I don't have enough experience to be paid to do it on my own. So I'm going to go to grad school and get mm -hmm. the stopgap there. Um, and I really wanted to move to England because they have such an amazing immersive theater scene. Uh, so I joined the grad program at the Royal Central School of Speech and Drama uh, in London. Um, I had a great time with it. It was incredibly challenging, uh, especially because I uh -huh. got a term and a half in and then we had lockdown. So on top of like going through all of these kind of <laughs> mind changing exercises and meeting all these new people, um, it's a very multicultural program too. So meeting people and overcoming language barriers and cultural barriers, uh, and being an outsider myself, um, then to also have to figure out how to do that online was insane. Um, but the philosophy Can't of that program imagine. is, yeah, but the, the philosophy of that program is kind of, um, you know, figure out what you want and then figure out how to do it. Like they're really not about holding your hand. They're about like, great, you know what you want to do? Figure it out. So they took the same approach with COVID. They were like, great. Uh, here's a curveball, figure it out. Um, and we did, uh, yeah. I did, I did some interactive shows online, uh, which, um, we were kind of some of the first people to do that. And that was really exciting. Uh, and, and what was that like? I mean, cause, because it is an immersive theater program and that is what your specialty is. What was, how, how did you step up to the plate with that curveball, that massive curveball of creating immersive theater when you on paper can't be immersive? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had to figure out how to kind of redefine what immersive means. Um, so, uh, also this is probably a good thing to touch on. So immersive theater for anybody who doesn't know, um, Immersive theater yes. just means that it is a theater performance where the audience is a part of the world of the show. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be walking around the set. You don't necessarily, the characters don't even necessarily have to interact with you, but you as an audience member have to exist within the world of the show and you have to have a role to contribute. Um, so for instance, uh, the Oristaya is a really good example of a immersive show that isn't really that interactive. Um, the audience serves as the witness, and that's a very important role. You serve as kind of the judge who decides whether the actions taken in the play are correct and just or not. Um, that makes it immersive because you have mm. a part to contribute. So we had to kind of redefine for ourselves how that works. And then we had to get very technical about it and uh, figure out how to make that happen with zoom and twine, uh, which is a software, uh, video game software, uh, program and, you know, Twitch and all of my the, brain like, went to like, stuff. you are shipping people in your audience reels of twine <laughs> to participate in. <laughs> well, some people did. I had, I had a classmate who their, their final project uh, for the grad program was a show in which they mailed you a box. And then you open it and you take it out and there's like a candle or there's a box of tea. Um, and there's like, uh, an online component wow. where like you interact with the things in your space while being led, uh, through like a zoom call. Um, yeah. So we had to, we had to figure <laughs> out ways so of cool. like, yeah, we had to figure out ways of reaching people in their homes without physically being there. Um, which as hard as that was, and ultimately we failed a lot of times because of course we did like, 
so did everybody else. That yeah. it just was that time. It's something new. You got to make yeah. it shitty first, and then you just figure it out as you go. Yeah, yeah. And we did find some exciting things that actually changed the way that we're working today. Um, for instance, the show that I'm performing in right now is a show called Phantom Peak. Um, and they are using technology in a way that immersive theater hasn't in the past. Uh, they have an app, um, which it, it, it has an in-world like tie-in. It, there is a purpose in the world for this app to exist, um, called a Jonasist because the guy that built the town, his name is Jonas and he runs Jonico. Uh, so you have your Jonasist on your Jonah box and you wander around town and the Jonasist <laughs> kind of guides you to where you should go next. Or, you know, if you have a mystery that you're working on solving, wow. you, you use the app to get from point A to point B. Um, and that didn't exist pre COVID, you know, uh, mm -hmm. even punch drunk themselves were working on an app with, um, Niantic, uh, who made Pokemon go to kind of create yeah. something similar. Um, I hope that's not a big secret that I just spilled. It's it's I didn't learn that from them directly, but I know that they I guess tend we'll to find out when we things. publish this, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if we get a cease and desist, everybody download the episode and save it. <laughs> um, but I know that they've been working on that for quite some time, which started during COVID because their project uh, that was starring Jude Law uh, had to really change gears too. And then they started working with Niantic. Um, but yeah, so some really exciting things uh, came out of the the pandemic, which is kind of awful to say because it was a horrible time for a lot of people. But you know, the the yeah, kind of but resilience. It, but it, all of that pressure changes the way you think, and it and it creates yeah. it creates diamonds, and it's it's another testament to the resilience of actors and and theater performers specifically too, just of of having to just figure things out. Cause we always have even like, I'm not doing theater at all anymore, but my experiences as a theater actor have directly affected the way that I approach all of my other work. Uh, the rejection that I face daily, the, uh, it just thickens your skin and it makes you really think literally in this case, outside the box or yeah. inside the box in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how has it, how has it changed for you? I mean, I, I, I know that you, I've followed a little bit of your social media, that you set up a home studio and you've been working from home a lot. How has that been different for you? Yeah, thank you for asking. It's, it, it's been wild, especially since, so at the beginning of uh, lockdown, we were on vacation in Vermont with our best friends. And um, I set up a home studio there and immediately started working. And we were there for about a week. And then uh, we were deciding whether or not we were going to go back to uh, New York and and be in Queens and, and just kind of have our four-person bubble or stay up in Vermont. And uh, my voiceover agents said that they emailed me and said, hey, just so you know, like you're one of like a handful of people on our roster on both coasts that has a home studio. So buckle up because it's about to get busy. And so, and it did, it got really, really busy. And so for me, I was incredibly lucky and blessed in, in the sense that I had set up a home studio. I knew what I was doing enough to audition well. And, and, uh, then I started helping other people getting set up who were in theater and TV and film. And then, um, it really allowed my wife and I to make the decision to move, uh, back close to Austin. She's, she's from Texas and uh, we both went to school at Texas state. And so we were, we're familiar with the area and know we like it down here. And, um, 
that initially it just allowed us to be in Austin for what we thought was going to be a two year stint and paying the bills, doing voiceover. And then, uh, we decided to buy a house and stay because the entertainment industry is moving here. Uh, so much of the entertainment industry is moving here. New York and LA will never go away, but this is really going to be, I, th I feel like a central coast for everything. And so being remote and being able to pivot like that and to take a tragic situation like that and be able to recognize and respect it and acknowledge it and also see, okay, cool. How can I use this as an opportunity to grow and build something that wasn't there before and something that could potentially give back to my community of people who, who don't have work anymore because of COVID or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like you said, uh, the, the old standbys are never going to go away, but the fact that the industry is being completely reshaped is kind of incredible. I mean, New York and LA have been such standouts for such a long time. And that's kind of been an, uh, a barrier to access for a lot of people because people are, they have to be yeah. where they are. And the fact that, you know, COVID kind of was the, the kick in the butt that the industry needed to start being more accessible to so many people. Um, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's kind of great. It is. And it's still, in, in my opinion, and this is a very, very humble opinion, but I really, I truly feel like it is such, it's still early days for the corrections that the theater industry has really needed to make for a couple decades of both in like upper level abuse of power, um, in discrepancies between with, with casting and, and racial uh, discrepancies. It's, um, and, and pay, pay gap is just crazy, especially like, I think uh, what the pandemic allowed a lot of people and my wife included was to see and give themselves permission to say, this isn't right. And I don't like this. <laughs> and I want something that's more. And how can I create that? And where else can I create that? That's a more sustainable place for me spiritually, financially, and artistically. Yeah. So that's actually a, a great point that I wanted to touch on as well. Um, sustainability is such a buzzword in the industry right now, um, which is amazing. Like it absolutely should be. And COVID kind of made us all take a pause to really think about what we all need to be sustainable. But um, sustainability is about so much more than just environment stuff, which it is, that is a, a key component, but it's also about um, yeah. financial and personal stability uh, and things like the Me Too movement, things like We See You White American Theater, um, things like the union strikes and, and other people unionizing, like the Shakespeare Theater Company uh, crew just joined IATSE, which is amazing. Um, all of that wow. is about people fighting for the industry to keep surviving because they want it to be more sustainable. They want to keep giving, and you can't keep giving if your cup is empty. And, and immersive theater is, is seeing that as well. Um, you know, uh, immersive theater can be a great access point for somebody who's just joining the industry. It can be really low budget, which makes it accessible. And it can be very much a community project, which makes it sustainable on a personnel front. You can make sure that people are happy and well taken care of. Um, Phantom Peak, again, is a mm -hmm. great example of this. They've really changed the game with how they're approaching the industry side of things. Um, they're completely self-funded and they wanted to keep um, outside investors hands off, not because they don't need the money, but because they wanted to have the control 
to take care of the project and take care of the people that are working on it. And they've really done a fantastic job with that. And they've also done a fantastic job of stepping over the boundaries that previously existed and making a fully immersive family friendly experience, which is very rare in the industry. And also in making an experience that can be, you know, fully fourth wall, uh, you, the audience is inside the fourth wall, which is, you know, difficult yeah. when you've got too many hands pulling strings. Do you find with the immersive theater and that you've had your hands in and you've been a part of and around that from a financial sustainability, like from a business standpoint, that it's different than traditional theater simply because it's it's different every time somebody comes? Do you see any kind of metrics like with repeat guests coming yes. to the show, repeat audience members coming back to explore a different aspect? Yeah, yeah. So um there, uh, this exists in the theater world as well, but not nearly as pronouncedly. Um, immersive theater has created something called a super fan. Um, Sleep No More has them, and they're actually quite well documented. Uh, some people, I believe when I was working there, the record was, there was one person that had seen the show 120 times. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, it's insane. It's nuts. Um, whereas... Uh, current shows, yeah, we absolutely have had repeat viewers who want the different experience. Um, it stems from, uh, it stems from the, um, the experience economy, which is a school of business thought that basically says that like you're paying for an experience rather than a product, um, which theater already lives mm -hmm. in, but by turning the audience into a producing consumer, which is someone who creates the experience for themselves and then digests that experience, um, you create endless possibilities because everybody's going to have a different experience. And when they compare notes, they want to see all of the things that they miss. So they come again, um, which sounds a little nefarious on paper. That sounds a little like we're tricking people, but like uh -huh. re really what it is, is more, we're creating an exciting thing that people are making their own. And then people want to come back and do it again, which is great. Um, obviously yeah. like if we were taking advantage of people, I think, we would be told to stop very quickly. Um, and yes, I, I, it's more so it, presenting an opportunity to be endlessly curious yeah, and, yeah. and explorative. Yeah. It's like, it's like a playground where, you know, you might go on the monkey bars, but your friend might go on the slide and then you see your friend going on the slide and you say, I want to do that. So you go back the next day and you go down the slide and you see somebody else playing on the swings. So you go, okay, great. I want to go on the swings. You come back and you try it again. Um, it's very much that like we're trying to unlock that sense of play in people, um, which is part of what makes it fun. It's it's exciting to see people get so into it and to kind of put on a different hat for a couple of hours and be somebody else for a little while, which is part of what's fun yeah. about being an actor and giving that experience to the audience as well. It's it's just it's a blast. It sounds like a, a total dream. And I feel like we could really dig in on, on so much more because you, you have a lot going on. And before, like, we're getting short on time, but I, I would love to hear just really quick about, like, how people can learn more about what you do and get in touch with you. And then also the theater company that you're starting as well. Yeah, certainly. Um, so I have a personal website, www.dannyromeo.com. Uh, hopefully that's pretty easy to remember. Uh, that's got um, most of my previous uh, shows and uh, production galleries. 
uh, which you can find out more about the work that I've done. But there's also a contact page as well if you ever want to get in touch. Um, but also, yeah, like you mentioned, um, I founded a theater company in the U.S. Uh, it is called Luden's Theater Company, www.ludenstheatercompany.com, um, which Excellent. we haven't put on our first show yet. Uh, I'm still kind of gathering resources and finding people to work with and, and kind of getting uh, ahead of steam rolling. But the idea is to bring that sense of um, collaboration and that, that communal spirit to a American setting and kind of bring the British sensibility of what immersive theater can be to a U.S. audience, um, which I think is going to be really exciting. Uh, we also have a great breakdown of what immersive theater is and what interactive immersive theater can be. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Please check us out, LudensTheaterCompany.com. That's awesome. Danny, thank you so much. This is such a trip to be able to get to talk to you and and be able to hear about everything that you've been up to. I love talking to fellow actors who went through a musical theater program or any kind of conservatory style program and seeing where they are now and how they've pivoted and taken the things that they've learned and that have really sparked joy within them and just gone whole hog and, and really done it. And it sounds like you are, you have done it and are continuing to just let that drive you. It's yeah, really, really you. special. Now I've got uh, a couple of quick fire questions for you. Please. Uh, before we truly wrap up here, uh, just one to two word answers or whatever's quick comes to your mind first. What's a nickname from childhood that your parents gave you? Uh, bear. Um, there's a funny story with that. I went to a Hershey Bears camp and I wore a bear jersey. So that kind of was my nickname for a while. Love it. Uh, what is a color to describe your personality? Ooh, uh, teal. Exciting, but still calm and chill. Ooh. Yes. Um, what is one piece of advice that you would give to artists just graduating college? Um, yes, I would say do not wait for permission. You do not have to book the big audition in order to be making work. Figure out what it is that you want to do. Go out and do it. You don't need someone else's permission. Even if it's just you and some friends at your kitchen table writing a script, go out and do it. Hell yeah. And you can only have pizza one more time. What's on it? Where's it from? Uh, it's got to be Lito's Pizza. Uh, it's a local chain to the Maryland, uh, Virginia area. Um, they do thin crust uh, square pizza, um, and their sauce is amazing. It's Ooh, like a okay. sweeter sauce. Uh, and it's going to be, hot take, pineapple and bacon pizza. Nice. You know, I had one of my best friends from when I lived in California on, and his, his pizza was pineapple and pepperoni, and I, I, I can't fight it. It tastes good. It uh, tastes good. Yeah, the sweet and savory combo. It's amazing. Can't beat it. It's perfect. <laughs> well, Danny, thank you so much. I'm going to post all of your uh, social stuff and, and website stuff uh, in the in the description and everything so people can come and find you. And uh, I really hope that we get the opportunity to talk again soon and that our paths cross in the real life uh, soon. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks so much for having me on. It's been amazing catching up with you, Tim. Yeah, you too, brother. It's been awesome. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Second Cup featuring Danny Romeo. To follow along with all the cool theater work Danny is producing and performing in, follow him on Instagram at Danny T. Romeo. That's D-A-N-N-Y-T-R-O-M-E-O. Check out his website, DannyRomeo.com, and Luden's Theater Company, LudensTheaterCompany.com. That's L-U-D-E-N-S TheaterCompany.com. All of these are also listed in this episode's description. 
This show is recorded and produced by Tim Heller Creative, LLC. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so in a few different ways. First is by sharing episode links on social media and tagging at Tim Heller Creative. Second is by rating and leaving reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening and watching. If you want to support financially, you can Venmo at Tim Heller Creative. Or if you're a small or large business and would like to sponsor the show, reach out to Tim at TimHellerCreative.com and we can chat to see if we're a good fit. Tune in next time for another incredible conversation and hopefully to learn something new from a really cool person. Bye.